remember about that is that I had peace. During that hard time, I had peace. So, and I could tell you a lot of stories about Moni that she did wrong when she was younger, but I won't. <laughs> See, Marilyn, I need to have help, too. <laughs> yeah, I think I can. She can do it. <laughs> well, what a joy. It really is, although this was not really my plan. Um, Dolly and I were, or I've been planning for some time, actually, since... Uh, Oh yeah, I had a spiritual retreat um, in the beginning of the year, and I thought, what am I? What is my plan for uh, 2022? And I like to plan my Bible reading and different things that I want to do. And uh, of course, at this age, you plan one day at a time. I planned a year, but they might not all work out. But one thing was that I wanted to visit the church, and so I had that in mind. The only mistake I made was uh, emailing emailing Pastor John that I was coming because the next thing I get is um, something on my caller ID uh, Dawn Rabine well what would she want anyway so here I am and uh, I'm glad to be here I really am um, my plan was that Dolly and I would drive out here and we'd go around the lake and we'd go up to Navarre and then we'd go through Mound and then we'd go by the farm and then we'd either go to Breezy Point or we would go Broom Rabine Road or all, all that. Down memory lane and then finally to the church. So we still did that. Um, and... Um, it's a joy to be here. Uh, Jerry and I were here in um, 2010, and when we, 2009 and 2010, and when we left, the verse that he gave was, at the farewell, was Psalm 126.3. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. And that's, that verse still rings very, 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 much in my mind. Coming here is a very big joy. Uh, but I do have to say, and I have thought about it for some time, that coming here in some ways will be difficult because someone is missing. A very good friend of my mom's and a very good friend of mine. So not having Pat here, um, yeah. I really did think about that. And uh, I didn't want to come here and just be crying away about that. Um, so for some time now, I've been thinking about what Pat mean, meant in my life and the many things I remember. And then I turned that into a prayer of thanksgiving. And that brought a lot of joy to me. And so I can come here with memories and uh, be thankful for, for her life and for what she meant to us and um, 
what she meant to this church, and of course family is here and what she meant to them. Um, I was going to talk about Cameroon because um, we lived there so many years, and I was going to talk about um, Rick and Debbie Barden, and then I heard that they were here in March or so, and so you've heard all about them. Um, but I'll say just a little bit more. Because the last time I was in Cameroon, um, my, where I worked in palliative care was right next to where Debbie worked. And I saw her in action. And you have to feel very privileged to be able to know that you support Rick and Debbie Arden because none of your money is wasted because they do a beautiful, beautiful job. It's so wonderful to see how they interact with um, uh, Cameroonians, uh, their gentleness. And, um, and when I think of Rick, uh, he could be the top pathologist in Mayo Clinic, but he isn't. He's in a small little hospital in, at Bingo. So it's really beautiful. Um, I, the last time I was in Cameroon was after Jerry was already graduated to heaven. I wasn't really planning to go, but then I heard that they were having a service for Jerry. And because of that, I thought, well, it's a good idea that I go. And so two of our daughters, Kathy and Karen, and uh, Kathy's husband, we were together there. The first thing that we did was um, go to see the leprosy patients because we love, we love them so much. And Jerry was their doctor. And when we came, they didn't know what to say to me. They didn't know how to say sorry or anything. They just looked. Some of them touched me. Um, and then they started to sing. And what they sang was just really wonderful. I do not worry, since I have my Jesus. I do not worry. Heaven is my home. I do not worry, since I have my Jesus. I do not worry. Heaven is my home. And after that, we just felt very, very comforted. And I realized that the missionaries came early and presented the gospel, the word of God, but the word of God entered into the lives of so many people in Cameroon, and especially those patients who live their life in such a beautiful way. The other thing I like about being with leprosy patients is their prayer. They pray, pray, pray. And when I hear them pray, I never hear them pray for themselves. And you should see them. Some of them missing a limb, all crippled, all this, all that. But they're praying for others. It's beautiful and it's a wonderful lesson for me. So after the service, I thought, well, I'll visit a bit, I'll visit friends, and then I'll go home. But then I wondered, you know, I don't really like medicine at all. And I don't like even the hospital all that much. I go there for coffee break. And uh, it was not part of my life. 
I mean, yeah, it was part of my life, but uh, I didn't do anything medically. So, but I wondered. We had had a long goodbye. Jerry had an illness for a long time, and it went down, 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 down. But I don't know if it was down, 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 down. When I look at it now, I think it was up, 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 up. Because during that time, there were so many precious things. We knew the end was in sight. But when Jerry mentioned once that um, we sing about heaven, we talk about heaven, we read about it in God's word, but it seems like nobody wants to take the trip. So it's, it's strange that when it finally comes, all we're doing is praying about getting well, getting out of it, and not taking the trip to heaven. So I wondered, well, what do Cameroonians do? Because I saw in the lives of Cameroonians a strength um, in their Christian life that sometimes I don't even see here at home. I see how the, the gospel had really entered their lives and they were strong. What do they do about terminal illness? How do they handle their relatives? How, how does this go? And so I decided to um, stick around and follow the um, chaplains around and see how they deal with it. So the doctors uh, make the rounds in the morning. And when there's a terminal illness and one that they can't do anything more to but other than keeping them as comfortable as possible, and probably they will be discharged finally to go home, um, they write their names down. And then at the nurses' stations, it will say to the chaplains, make sure to see these people and that people. And then I was able to just follow around and watch the chaplains. It was so beautiful. Their message was not one of praying, praying, praying to God, save this person, take this illness away. No, it wasn't that. It was to have a peace and a contentment no matter what God chooses to do. And I so enjoyed following them along. And then there was a palliative, they call it palliative care, but it's kind of like hospice, where they go then, uh, nurses um, go, and they visit these people in their homes. And so I would ride along, and I would see what they were doing. And they would, they were so gentle with the people. And it was such, it was Christian life lived to the fullest. And I so very much enjoyed it. And sometimes I would share a bit uh, about our long goodbye and the joys of that. Um, but I went home. But on the way home, I said, I am definitely going back. I never thought that I would have an opportunity in medical work, if you call that medical work. Um, but I knew that I wanted to do something. But I wasn't prepared. And how would I get prepared? Well, at home I have a little pocket, um, these little pocket things of the Book of John. 
And I thought, I'm going to start there. And I started reading that book of John. A, a book we know so well. We read that all the time. But the newness and the aliveness that it gave me at that time was just very, very precious. And I ordered ten of them. And so I had, this one had this red pen and this one has this color pen and I would read and read. From the time I got home in March till the next January, I read nothing but the book of John. Because I knew that if I had those little pocket Johns, that's what I would, that's what I would share. The verses that meant a lot are at the end, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that by believing you'll have what? Life. Life here? Mm, yeah. But also life eternal, everlasting. And then 16.1, Jesus said, this, I tell you these things so that you will not go astray. And I always ended with John 14, which you know so well. Um, do not be troubled. Do not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then what? He's going to call us. He's going to call us. And that's so beautiful. So as we sing, as we talk about heaven let's look forward to it well the next time I went back I was much more prepared uh, with 500 copies of the gospel of John it was a little overdone but uh, I went to our two big hospitals I met with palliative care um, I always went with them and they the Cameroonians themselves did them most of the talking, but I could also share because I wasn't there to take over their position. We've always worked equally. It's not like this or this. Um, but we visited many, many patients in the hospital, in the community, and I was able to share those, um, those Gospel of John with people I talk and then I would always ask them their name and I would write them a note in the beginning. I would underline those verses that were precious to me as I read just the ones that I told you now. And um, it was just very much a joy. And I could give those um, Gospel of John's to the chaplains that they also could share in a personal way too. And um, our, our church um, help pay for them, uh, which I wasn't asking for, but they did, and it was a joy to be able to give them out. Um, so that was, I stayed as long as my visa would let me stay, and that was three months, and it was very much a joy to be there. Um, what's next? Oh, one story. Yeah, I was going to tell one story before I move on to something else. One story was, um, as I visited one family, there was a terminally ill patient. Her name was Lydia. And she looked so happy, and you wouldn't think that she was in the end of, uh, end of life at all. 
And there um, on her side were her son and her daughter. On the other side were his sister. And they were reading. So I came and I asked what they were reading. And they said, they're reading from the book of Jonah. And I said, oh, yeah, I love the book of Jonah too. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And she said, yes, that's my family. We will serve the Lord. And then she told me about how the doctors have said uh, that she'll be discharged and that she'll go home and she'll live peacefully until God calls her on that final day. And then I shared the Gospel of John with her and we talked about salvation and um, many things from those verses that I shared with you before. And I prayed, left, and just as I was leaving, in the bed uh, right next to it, I heard this, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And I went to her bedside and I said, what is it? She said, I want you to tell me that story. I said, what story? That story that you told there. I said, well, you're right here. You heard it. No, I want you to tell it to me. She was only 16 years old. She was going to be discharged that day. She's now perfectly well. No need to be in the hospital. But one thing was really missing in her life. The thing that was missing in her life, even though they have devotions in the, in the wards every day, and she heard it, but she didn't maybe hear it personally, didn't hear it personally. And because of that, she wanted that story. And that day, she went home not only well physically, but well spiritually. So that was a very, very beautiful thing. I haven't been able to go back to Cameroon. There's political trouble, and um, somehow they don't want me traveling there. Um, so when things settle down some, I hope that I'll be able to go back. But nine months ago, I did go to Nigeria. Our daughter has a school there, and I love teaching there, um, teaching Bible or whatever they give me to teach. I'm very happy to do that. And so I love being there. Uh, the scripture that, oh, I, we sang, oh, 4,000 tongues. Almost forgot. Uh, we chose that song for a reason. That was my dad's favorite song. And many people know that. And I wish that I had asked him at one point, why? Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Why? Why was that? What did you like so much like? Maybe it was the bass. I sang bass today, but of course none of you heard that, but I did because that's, yeah, that's how he sang. Um, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. My great Redeemer's praise. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. So, anyway. Um, so I haven't been back to Cameroon, but I hope to get there someday again. Um, what's been happening in my life since then? Many things. God has blessed me in a beautiful way and helped me to build a new identity that I really didn't 
choose to want. I liked the identity I had. I liked being Jerry's wife and doing things together. And, but, God has other plans, and um, he, has, he has helped me to do that. Um, I have something else. Let me see. Okay. I was going to say, if uh, you see me around, you often see me with this color pen. Can you tell what color? Purple. And purple is royalty. And um, in my family, and one of the reasons I wanted to sing that song, um, we're from the Adam family, and my dad had, there were six boys and one girl. And there were three quiet boys, my dad, Edward, and my uncle, John, and my uncle, Frank, were kind of the more quiet type. And um, dad sat right there, and he was more quiet. And I want to tell you something about my dad. Um, his prayers were often the same. And one time, as a child, being rather obnoxious, sometimes we say things to our parents that's not that great. And I said, you always pray the same thing. And it was always that he would not be a stumbling block. And apparently once along, I don't know when, um, they were playing rook with some people. And the neighbors heard all this screaming and yelling and whatever. And the neighbor said, you know, you people, all you do is get together and gamble. And from that day on, Dad always prayed that he would never, ever be a stumbling block. But now the purple pen. I started using this in January. Three brothers are loud, very loud. And one of them was, was Uncle Bill. And Uncle Bill, thank you. How'd you know? <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah, okay. Uncle Bill, very, very loud. But you know, everybody knew about his Christianity. He wore it just right, they say, say sometimes on your shirt sleeve. He wore purple suit coats. He wore purple ties. He wore purple all the time. And he always, when he sent us a check in Cameroon, it was written with purple ink. So the beginning of this year, I decided to start using this. But I remember the time that I questioned him. It was at the state, Minnesota State Fair. And he was there with a whole bunch of people. He always knows everybody. And he saw me, oh, hi, Moni. And so I thought, well, I should at least go greet Uncle Bill. So I said, hi, Uncle Bill, how are you? Perfect. And it was one of those times that I was annoyed because he always did this. He always said he was perfect. He's not perfect. He's not perfect. 
So I said, how can you say that, Uncle Bill? You're not perfect. And he said, Moni, I've been waiting a long time for you to ask me. And he told me how he was perfect. Another word is blameless. And we read that in um, the scripture that I'm going to read um, in Psalm 119. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless. Now, in I think in another translation it says perfect. Who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. Do you know what it says next? They do nothing wrong. Do you believe that? You don't believe the Bible? Or you do? They do nothing wrong. And that's what Uncle Bill was trying to tell me. As a Christian, yes, he does some things wrong, but he immediately corrects them. He asks for forgiveness. And then his life is blameless. And so he can wear purple and he can write with a purple pen. So as I was reflecting uh, at the beginning of this year, I wanted that to be a reminder for me. Perfect, I can't quite use that word, although I think it's true. I just want to use blameless instead, uh, knowing that um, blameless. I have a thought, I have a word, I have an action that needs correction, do it right then. And my purple pens remind me of that. And it reminds me of Uncle Bill. Psalm 119 is a precious, precious um, psalm. And it talks all about God's word. And when I see Cameroonians, that's what they have. Only God's word. To speak into their heart. And they do what it says. And they correct their lives. And it's been such a challenge to me. Um, another verse, I have treasured God's word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's like hidden God's word. I always kind of wondered about that hidden. You hide it and never show it again. Uh, no, um, I have treasured God's word in my heart. And then um, in verse... Um, Nine, it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? The answer being, by living according to your word. You know, I don't think that verse is just written for young men. So I rewrite it in my Bible as, how can an old woman keep her life? And I, I've had all kinds of words to fill in there. Um, courageous, faithful, truthful, and I'm adding all the time to how can an old woman keep her way pure? But the answer is by living according to your word. 
And you know, if we don't have this word, if we don't have this word, uh, we don't know what to do. So I hope your Bible does not have dust on it. I hope it's something that you open every day. Because this is where we get our food. And we've all eaten. I can tell that. (laughs) So I can't tell if you've eaten this word. But I hope that you have. There's another um, verse that I will end with. And it's 16, I think. Okay. Open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your word. And that's my prayer every morning before I even read. Open my eyes because even the book of John, how many times did I read it in those months? So many times and every time there was something new. There's always something new because God's word is living. If you say you've gone through a dry spell, what you might be saying is that the water of life doesn't flow anymore. And we know that not to be true. God's word is true. And it's something that lives in our life. So I'm happy to be here. The sanctuary looks just the same. Just as beautiful as ever. And it's nice to see you, friends. Thank you. All right, we want to do uh, 79, My Jesus, I Love Thee. Or we had a change from the bulletin, yeah. Uh, 79, My Jesus, I Love Thee. You can stand. My Jesus, I love thee.